get some. No, no, no. I would love to treat you. Oh, thank you. Yes. What would you like? I'm not beyond brunch. An iced um, mocha. <laughs> yeah. With two percent. Actually, we'll use oat milk. Wow. Yeah, I know. Things have changed. I think I've changed. changed. Also, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? So nice to see you. It's so nice to see you. It's been like three years. I know. <laughs> we can get into that. Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I am your host, James DePietro. From Pasadena, California, this is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I am proud to welcome a very special friend, Annie Choi, the owner of Found Coffee in Eagle Rock. Annie grew up in La Crescenta, went to high school in the Los Feliz area, and graduated from UC San Diego. There she studied communication and international studies and was a member of Phi Beta Kappa. What followed was a career in post-production where she worked as an editor, coordinator, and assistant. But she was also miserable. Coffee was always something she enjoyed and visiting various shops around town was a hobby. So she took an unpaid internship that eventually launched her second career as a barista and shop owner. In 2015, Annie opened Found Coffee in Eagle Rock. And I remember when the little shop with the sunshine yellow espresso machine opened. I became an instant fan. Annie is warm and honest. And we get into topics like owning a small business, but also mental health. Like a good espresso, our conversation is smooth and layered. So without further delay, my conversation with Found Coffee's Annie Choi. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. First of all, can you tell us where we are? Okay, right now we are recording in the corner at one of our communal tables at the shop. I own Found Coffee and there's music playing. And so <laughs> I hope that it's not too much of a disruption today. No, it's great. It all adds the ambiance okay, of the show. Great. <laughs> so I love it. To get us started, can you share a little bit about your background? As I know, you're a first generation Korean American. And we're born in and around Los Angeles. Yeah, so my parents still live in L.A. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, which is pretty much, you know, it makes me a dinosaur. We're very rare. The fact that I actually was born and raised here and I decided to stay is a big deal, I think. It's kind of hard to find us. I actually grew up in the San Fernando Valley. So I grew up in La Crescenta. It's actually maybe 10 miles north of Eagle Rock, which where my shop is located. And then when my sister graduated high school, we decided to move back down to East Hollywood, where my parents are currently. East Hollywood, being just 10 minutes north of K-Town, was really important for my parents to be close by. And I actually went to a... Catholic private all girls high school, which would not be my first choice. <laughs> but I'm really grateful for that education because otherwise, I mean, there weren't that many good public schools in the area when I was growing up. And so I'm really grateful that my parents, you know, shelled out the tuition to send me to have a good education. And so. Did you and your sister go? No, my sister actually went to public school all her life. And I had a mixture of public and private and I'm really grateful because it kind of feels like that added to my background my like full rounded background yeah nice. we were talking about this before the show that you went to an all-girls 
Catholic high school. I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. Shared experiences a little bit? Shared experiences. And James actually just, you know, mentioned the school that he went to. And we had, like, many dances together where we had to get permission slips signed. I don't know if you guys had to get permission slips signed. I don't remember. I didn't go to a lot of dances. (laughs) To the shock of nobody whatsoever. (laughs) I went to my proms. Yes. So I did that. Yeah. When I remember back then, we had to get permission slips signed. And then if we wanted to bring a date from your school... We would have to get their permission slip as well. Really? Yeah. Anyway, I grew up in L.A. or L.A. proper. I'm so grateful that I did. I love this city. So many people crap on this city. And I will live here probably till I die. I just posted something online this week. We're going to get into social media. But I posted something online about Los Angeles or something. And someone wrote like a really nasty reply. Mm -hmm. Like just trashing Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And as someone that I I would never thought I would come back here. I don't know if you felt the same way. Mm. But I didn't think I'd be back here. But I hate the people that come back or just have a negative view Mm. on Los Angeles. Mm Because I think that there's so much more to it. I think that people that live here for the first year, it's it's a really tough city. It is. Like any other city. That's metropolitan expansive, you know, it's really hard to find your people. But I think that once you find your people, because there's grounded people everywhere, you know, I think it's easier. And then you get to explore the nooks and crannies of every neighborhood. Every neighborhood in L.A. is so different. And, you know, I'm diehard Northeast L.A. This is where I live. This is where my shop is. And it makes me kind of sad to hear those negativities you know because it's i don't know la has so much to offer for me though i was very different than you because i ended up knowing that i was going to come back to la because i had studied communications in college in san diego i went to uc san diego and i wanted to come back and work in the industry and so i ended up working at a pretty prominent post-production company it's called Buna Murray, and you know, I'm segueing into the next question, James. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. If you want to host it, you can. I'm okay with that as well. Um, I hope that's okay. And so we're it's just great. flowing with it. Um, but yeah, I actually wanted to work in the industry, and my dream was to work for Pixar as a film editor. I applied to Pixar four times. I got rejected four times. You know, that's just what happens. And I worked at Buna Murray. I worked on some, you know, little shows called The Kardashians, you know, Project Runway. You might have heard of them. But um, it was really interesting because I kind of had this valiant dream to change the industry in some way because I was Asian American, I was female, I was Christian. I wanted to change a very white male Jewish industry. I didn't do it because I ended up leaving. And then I ended up leaving and going into another white male (laughs) industry of coffee. And yeah, I still have those like storyteller dreams, which is why I wanted to come back to LA. You have a very important story and a lot of people have been important in your life. So were there any particular mentors in your life other than you you mentioned your parents that were especially important to you and and why? Yeah, you know, this is such an interesting story question, James, because as I got older in my professional career, finding mentors was really hard. But when I was growing up, definitely my mother and my older sister, my older sister taught me about exploring the world. And she was like the first to kind of pave the way. She like, she was the first to go study abroad. So then I then studied abroad. 
And then when I was studying abroad, I remember being like super lonely. It was my first time really being away from home because San Diego is only two hours away from LA, right? And so when I was studying abroad and super homesick and wanting to hermit, because that's sometimes my tendency, you know, she would encourage me over Skype because Skype was a thing back then. (laughs) Um, She encouraged me to go try three new things a week. And that really allowed me to see the city in different ways. And by the time I ended my um, semester abroad, I actually was like, oh my gosh, four months was too little. And that kind of opened up this curiosity about seeing the world, getting to meet different types of people. And so my sister definitely, you know, she has a diverse range of friends. You know, it's not just like a homogenous thing where like we're Korean and we only have Korean friends. And same thing with my parents. My parents in their businesses, you know, uh, I've mentioned in other podcasts that I've definitely inherited my dad's entrepreneurial spirit. My mom also had a small business. Um, She had an acupuncture clinic in La Crescenta actually for 26 years. And it's these things where we have these experiences, these connections, but I learned that from my parents, my mom my sister. My mom too, because she's a breadwinner. You know, she was the breadwinner. And so I'm a, you know, female small business owner. I learned from that and seeing that she made decisions on the fly and had to. She dealt with really difficult customers. She dealt with regulars, you know, she like loved on them so much. One of the the stories I love with her is she helped one of her patients through acupuncture and herbal meds get pregnant. And they were having a really hard time getting pregnant. And then 21 years later, the daughter came back and visited, which is incredible as like a college student. In 2013, you made the difficult decision of stepping away from your career in TV production. My dream was to work for Pixar as well, Mm. but I can't draw or do any of that kind of stuff. (laughs) So it wasn't going to be an option for me. This kind of started your found journey. Yeah. And so what were you going through that made you want to walk away from TV and film production and get into coffee? Oh man, you know, something that was kind of ingrained in me, I think, and it was actually like a self-taught thing, was that I equated my career as my identity. So having worked, you know, seven years up to that point of finally becoming a TV editor, but being so super duper miserable, so anxious, and not wanting to go to work every day. I had this like existential dread. And you know, I think what ended up happening was with the support of my parents, you know, I thought I was actually letting my parents down. And they saw how miserable I was and they were like, Annie, no, just leave the industry because we just want you to be happy. So one, supportive parents, right? But the anxiety that I was going through, I kind of had to name it. And then I also had to realize why I was feeling so anxious about the industry. And the industry, basically, the job that I had, which was post-production, it wasn't congruent to who I was. And that being said, I'm so not really a technology person. (laughs) And yet, post-production is all about learning new systems and, you know, work paths and technology, all of that. And I'm like, ugh, it was not... It didn't help me story tell stories in the way that I wanted to. I ended up being like a kind of like a mm, button pusher, you know. I ended up being a monkey 
And I hated that. And so I had to walk away. Coffee has always been a part of your life. You've talked about that on other places and other podcasts. That your mom would brew coffee every morning. Mm, yeah. And so you kind of grew up with coffee always kind of being in the air. And But you didn't really know anything about actually the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned on the, this in a post recently that you're not a coffee expert. You're a coffee enthusiast, mm. which I think is a good way of putting it. Yeah. And you're being very humble about it. <laughs> but still. But you need to figure out how to run a coffee shop. Absolutely. And that led you to working for your favorite coffee shop in Santa Monica. Yes, and actually, just to backtrack, yes, I started off at De- in Little Tokyo first, and Demitas at the time, and Demitas is owned by my wonderful friend Bobby Roshan. They had one location in Little Tokyo, and I felt like they really them and Cafe Dulce, another favorite of mine, owned by James Choi, they really brought coffee to the map in Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo was not a cool place back then (laughs) and then they kind of made it really cool with specialty coffee and so I started as an unpaid intern I asked for an unpaid internship because at the time no one would hire me I had a career and they're like there was nothing like a career barista or a career bartender back then that was not a thing and so they were like why would this woman who had a career in tv very successful you know career want to work as a barista and so I asked I just you know bit the bullet and asked for an unpaid internship And then I became a barista pretty quickly, like in a month. And then, you know, this is by happenstance, but also, you know, good fortune that Bobby was opening a second location in Santa Monica and needed a manager. And so that's why I ended up managing the second location in Santa Monica. Person that's behind the counter making coffee is mm-hmm. probably wants to get into TV and production if they're living in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So you did the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. uh, you went from TV and production to being behind the counter. You're right. But how, was, how important was that introduction to the industry? Because you went from being an unpaid intern to being a general manager. Oh my gosh. And was it uh, four months? Yeah. Like so that? four months from unpaid intern to general manager of, you know, now his only location, which is funny, because the Little Tokyo one unfortunately had to close during COVID. But, you know, I embraced it. I'm a lifelong learner. And, you know, I take, I'm the type of person where I take community college courses for fun, even though I've got, I have an undergrad degree. I never took a psych course in college. And I was like, why didn't I take a psych course? I'm going to take a psych course, you know? And I did that even when I had the shop. And... It's so important to have an introduction and actually work in the industry that you think you're going to open a small business in. And so I was so grateful that I did the barista gig, that I did the general manager gig. I knew that I could operate, you know, a coffee shop successfully. I always jokingly call that that GM year of my life it was like 14 months that I worked in Santa Monica by the way this was I just wanted to point out that it was pre-COVID times and I drove from Atwater to Santa Monica every day in pre-COVID traffic even though probably traffic right now is still even worse but that was nuts and I treated it as my master's degree so this huge steep curve that I had learning all the ropes, you know, of owning a coffee shop. I mean, sorry, of running a coffee shop. It was worth it. It was totally worth it. And I always encourage new entrepreneurs to actually work in the industry that they want, that they envision a small business in, having a small business in. 
So we're going to start talking about found now. Yeah. You just celebrated eight years, and you're in a building that was originally an auto body shop, dated back to the 1920s. I remember it being an auto body type shop. Yeah, it was kind of like a repair Repair shop. shop. Yeah. How did you find this space, and then why Eagle Rock? I owe finding this space all to my friend Chisan. She's actually also a native SoCal resident. She lives in Pasadena, actually, and she was doing real estate at the time. She drove by it, called me, and was like, Annie, you have to see this space. And so when I saw it, I was like, you know, actually getting ready to rest for about a month uh, after working for Demitas for, you know, a good, hard year. And I saw it that day four times. I saw it in the morning, at lunch, in the afternoon, and in the evening. And the reason for that was because I wanted to see what the foot traffic was like at all times of the day. And then I signed a lease a week later. And I was like, rest didn't happen, but that's sometimes how, you know, life works. And so I owe it all to Chisan. And I chose Eagle Rock because I, having grown up in La Crescenta, I used to hang out in Eagle Rock when it wasn't cool. It's still sometimes not that cool, but I used to actually, and I hope people know this history. I used to watch dollar movies at Eagle Rock Plaza when they had a movie theater instead of the Target. And so it used to be a dollar. The movies were like five, six months old. It was great. Anyway, so we used to go there. I knew that Eagle Rock really needed a specialty coffee shop. There were coffee shops here, long-standing ones, but specialty coffee was something that was lacking. And then I had an opportunity fall through in Highland Park. And again, looking back, I'm so grateful because now Highland Park is riddled with specialty coffee shops. It's like the competitive... The competition is so fierce there. And me being on like kind of a off the beaten path part of Eagle Rock is really beneficial. And I'm so grateful that just happened like that. So one of the things you used to do for fun and something that I can relate to because this is what I used to do for fun was to visit coffee shops. So you kind of learned what you liked, what you didn't. Right. So when you opened Found, how did you want it to be different than other places that you've worked at or experienced? Yeah. You know, my mission and vision as a born and raised Angelino was to support other California shops and vendors. And so that's really important to me from day one. Um, A lot of my merch on my counters, on my shelves are Californian roasters, Californian tea vendors, you know. As things have evolved with the shop, now I support a lot of AAPI women. I love launching like micro businesses. Like one of my favorite things that sets us apart, I think, is that we help launch really new pop-ups because we have the perfect space for it. And that's been really fun because it's people that aren't really quite well known. They have an excellent product and then we get to feed the community. That's been definitely something that sets us apart. And another thing, that I really stress as important and different about Found is that it's all about community. And so it's really important that Found's inclusive. The layout or the flow of the shop, it's definitely been thought out from like from the very beginning when I was doing the build out. And right now, what you'll see in the shop is that we have two communal tables. And that actually didn't start from the beginning. I had one communal table and then I added another because It's really important to me that people actually talk to each other in coffee shops again. And of course I have to, as we look now, you have to, of course, have the people that have their laptops. And so I have a dedicated section 
that I called Laptop City. And those are the two top tables. And then the communal tables is where I really want people to meet. I want people to organically meet. And we've seen it, we've witnessed it over the last eight years. And I think the communal aspect of Found is really unique, is really different. I'm really proud of it. So because your focus has been on community, do you think Found is more of a mission than a coffee shop? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. I think it's all of the above. I think it's a mission. I think it's a coffee shop. It definitely, you know, we serve coffee, obviously, so we're a coffee shop. But then at the end of the day, I do think that this community anchor has become, you know, kind of what the church has been in the past, where people gather, where people are able to meet, where people are able to even meet strangers, you know? Yeah, I guess so. So we're going to shift a little bit in talking about small business ownership. Mm. And we're kind of jumping around on the questions. And, and one of the things we were talking about was that owning a small business is a balancing act. And you've kind of addressed that already. But one of the things I thought was interesting, which I didn't really realize that was that when you worked in Santa Monica, you were in charge of social media. Mm-hmm. And I think social media is has become so important to owning a small business yeah. now. And since you had experience with it, back before with found you share your usual posts to inform people about the pop-ups you're, you mentioned right, like events calendar that events. stuff but you're very honest and very transparent and i think that's so unique because when i see a post of yours it's not just two sentences mm. it's a couple paragraphs right you're sharing something that you've gone through you posted something yesterday that was very heartfelt and it's something that I've come to expect from your posts mm. and I really enjoy them because you can kind of really see and feel who you are yeah. in those posts. Yeah. So why are these posts important to you and how have they helped you tell your story? You know, I don't know if I've mentioned this on another podcast before, but I've definitely said it in like different interviews, articles. I really wrestled with personalizing my social media posts because I'm kind of from the era where it's like professional and personal need to be like separation of church and state and you cannot have personal and professional blend whatsoever and so I was really wrestling with that and then COVID hit and the gathering of the physical gathering of community was halted and if community is so important to me I was like now I need to translate that digitally and so I had a newsletter. It wasn't as successful as like a, from I guess a, market, a traditional marketing standpoint. And so I was like, you know what? COVID's really hard for everyone. I think it's time to write love letters to the community. And that's what I've coined it, found coffee community, my community here. I fondly call you all my found coffee community because that's what you've become to me. You've become my community. And I think it helps to tell the found story because most small businesses are an extension of the small business owner. And so this shop is very much an extension of who I am. And so my preferences, my likes, my personality, it's infused in the direct choices I make for the business. And so that is where you can definitely see that it's, it's, it's an extension of me, but I think the posts especially help to really ground this idea that a small business is not a huge, faceless, nameless, big corporation entity. That's why we're small business, you know? And they're very much operated by people. And I think 
the community gets to know me in these posts, which is really important to me because then they're like, oh, they see that Annie's kind of struggling. Oh, wait, no, actually, she's having a really wonderful time. You know, it's everything that humanity is in, you know, the business, but also me as a person. And so I hope these posts kind of translate to the community. I don't know. I hope they hopefully get to understand the reasoning behind the decisions I make for the community, for the business, et cetera, et cetera. I work in real estate. We were talking about this before the podcast, but I used to have a lot more tents that were small. Mm. Now my tents are really big. And so you kind of lose that connection, mm-hmm. you know, with a big tenant. Yeah. Whereas when I was my small tenants, you know, I knew their kids, married couples and small business owners and all this kind of stuff. And you really kind of felt a kind of camaraderie with that. But it's hard when... You know, you, you walk into a Starbucks or someplace big. It's so faceless because you don't know who's going to be there the next day. Absolutely. And I think the social media posts, I want to maintain that connection, sustain it. It's very important. You've talked openly about mental health and, and have been very honest during periods of your life that you've struggled with depression and anxiety. And especially, you've talked about shame, especially mm. in the Asian community. Yeah. How has being so open helped you work through some of these issues? And... How has the shop been a helpful part of your process? I strongly believe that everyone feels some sort of anxiety or depression, especially in the social media age. Funny enough, right? Because we're more connected than ever, but we're more lonely than ever. We've all heard this. And being so open really normalizes it, you know, and also maintains, again, we're talking connections. And so I think it definitely connects me to the person next to me. I've gone through that. And then someone can be open with their struggles, too, and be like, oh, my gosh, I've gone through that, too. I'm not alone. Because I think anxiety and depression is really tricky and sneaky because it convinces your brain that you're the only one going through the only problems. But if you really talk about it and destigmatize mental health, especially in a shame-based culture being in the Asian community, you can really be like, oh, wait, you're going through that, too? Oh, it's actually, you can kind of mm, make the problems even though it is big, start to kind of tackle it step by step. So having the shop too and knowing that community members have also gone through depression or anxiety, I've, it's helped me really get over it too. And I guess you can't really get over it. You're always going to live with some kind of anxiety, but at the same time, it helps me feel less alone. You know, it's funny you mentioned your mind kind of tricking you that you're alone and you're the only one that feels this way. Yeah. I see it in my kids. My kids are young, mm. and they sometimes use all or never. It, it just taints how you view everything and it, your ability to kind of push through because you're like, things are never going to get better. Mm. Things are always going to be this way. And I'm going to totally tag on to that with something that's helped me with the business and also personally is having a both-and mentality where two things can be true at the same time. Yes, this is hard, but also, yes, I can get through it. You know, and so also connecting with another person, your perspective can be true and also mine can be true as well. Both can live in this reality, right? And so even with your kids, having a both and or kind of shucking that never mentality is actually, I don't know, really helpful because life's hard. <laughs> no, I know it you is. Know? Life and has a lot of struggles. It does. Even when you're little. Like someone took your toy, James. What are you going to do? I mean, I don't remember being a super little kid anymore. Yeah. But I see it in my kids. I'm like, 
Oh my God, it's hard. It's hard, These and I feelings think feelings are hard. I feel like one thing that this gen, our generation of parenting, does well, and I'm not a parent, but I have so many friends who are, is that they allow their kids to name their emotions. I think that's so incredible. I was never like taught to do that growing up, and that's not a knock on my parents at all. It's just like my parents were trying to survive, you know, so they parented the best that I, you know, they could. I mean, they raised a daughter that has a, her own business. Like I think that's pretty incredible, you know. So. Kudos, parentis Choi. I'm very, you know, you know, proud to be their daughter. But at the same time, like this generation, they're gonna be able to like actually work through mental health issues. Hopefully, that's the hope. Interesting that you talk about shame, especially being in the Asian community. How did you survive as an Asian girl at a Catholic school? Because I mean, talking about shame Ooh. on top of shame. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, even though we had to take religion classes. Catholicism wasn't like shoved down our throat. So there were, I really attribute my eighth through 12th grades with a really diverse education and also with a diverse student population. So I didn't really feel it there. I didn't feel the Catholic shame at Immaculate Heart. I don't know how it is now, many years later, but I mean, for me, I was, that was fine. My shame came from Christian Protestant Korean churches, which I, that's a whole nother podcast, James. <laughs> so we've talked about, we've given a lot of time to talking about shame and anxiety and depression. We can have oh, many, many, many conversations. conversations. Yes. Let's, let's compare notes on that. Yes. But how has the shop brought you some joy as well? You know, I really love this question, James, because I learned a new term recently and it's glimmers. And so they're the very opposite of triggers. And so instead of things that bring up like traumas or irritations or anger or rage, like I try to notice glimmers in my life or these are like the very small things that bring me joy, right? And it's, you think it's of the ordinary, but it's actually not. These are actually extraordinary. And so for me throughout the day, like I have a mountain of glimmers to fall back upon. And that's like the smiles of my regulars, you know, taking, I've started joking that my little toddlers in the shop, my, my regulars kids, um, I, I joke that they're my interns. And so we like, I take them behind the bar and then they clock in by fist bumping my manager, you know, and then they like observe us like pulling a shot for 30 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, you're done with your shift. You know, that's like such a glimmer to me. And all of the smiles, the concern, the care of the community, that, that's my joy. That's the definite source of joy for me. I love that. And they're unpaid, just and like the, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they are unpaid, just like you. but sometimes I pay them in croissants. <laughs> I would work. Don't I, report me. Don't to, report me, everyone. <laughs> I would work for, croissant, for croissants today. Yeah. If I could be paid in croissants, I would work wherever they were paying me that. Um, I just want to give a shout out to little Isaac and Margot, who are two years old, and they're like my littlest interns in training. They're so cute. Anyway, sorry. So faith has played an important role. We were talking about that a little bit. And you've shared that grace has been instrumental in how you view things and treat people. So how would you define grace? Ooh, so I was kind of stewing on this one. It's a hard one to define. But I guess in short, to me, it's kindness and generosity of spirit. It's also having compassion for the other, but especially for yourself. That's a perfect definition. My wife and I went to the Methodist church, and we got married in a Methodist church, mm -hmm. and they talk about grace as well. But I really, coming from a Catholic background, I have no idea what grace is. So mm. that's why it's an interesting question, because they don't really talk about 
race I guess in that so. Sense. Yeah, yeah. It's I not mean, a concept that's really. I have come, to, like, really grown up in the Reformed theological, Protestant kind of thought, and grace was really stressed. I didn't really learn about grace until college, and I'm really glad I did because I feel like my college years were when my formative. Intellectual, like kind of like worldviews, were really solidified, yeah. and so yeah. So, how has your faith kind of influenced how you operate, found, and how you kind of treat people and your customers, how mm. you train your staff? Yeah. How, how has that kind of influenced your world? So, whenever we have a first bad interaction with a customer, I always um, encourage the staff to assume that they're having a bad day. You don't want to assume that they're a bad person, you know, and you know, but. As an aside, if they're consistently awful to our staff or to other customers, then we know that they're probably generally not nice people, right? But in addition, Faith has taught me to hire people that are kind. And I'm very particular in who I choose to be baristas for me, you know? And so, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to teach compassion. It's hard to teach respect. It's hard to teach kindness if you weren't really taught when you're growing up, you know? So my faith has taught me to really believe in the goodness of humanity because we're made in the image of God. And I believe that my God is a very good God. That translates to other people are actually good too. And I try to believe in the goodness of our customers, pass this belief onto my staff, and then they can see it modeled in my interactions with the community. I hope, this is the hope. But you know, to be honest, difficult customers are difficult customers, and I really don't allow anyone to treat my staff with disrespect, and I'm really fiercely protective of my team. I assume that you don't get many problematic customers because, you know, you mentioned this a little bit about like foot traffic and stuff. You're not in a location where you get someone just walking by. That's an interesting question because normally that is the case, right? We're not in downtown. We don't have the normal typical downtown, you know, foot traffic. However, ego and humility aside, we were (laughs) named in the top 18 coffee shops per Eater LA last month. And we have a lot of new customers coming in on the weekends because they're driving from other parts of the city to come check us out. So I call those customers tourists because they're not the regulars that they come every day, you know. But I found that people who don't know how we operate as a community, sometimes they are very difficult. And again, you know, you can't please everyone. And that's okay. That's what you learn as a business owner. Your career began with telling stories in TV, you know, your post-production work. And not to sound too philosophical about this, but every cup of coffee or tea has a story. Mm. And what is the story you want to tell with Found? Oh my gosh. That's so deep, James. It is, and I didn't provide you this question beforehand, (laughs) so you're on the spot. So sorry, if you need a minute. No, that's okay. I think the first thing that comes to me is that each cup is made and served with care and compassion, right? Which then links to community, right? If you are cared for and you feel the compassion in the product that is being served to you, you would hope to be a part of that community You know, like that it's coming from. Every interaction that we have here is really special to me because, you know, we're pretty unique because I want to say, and I haven't really run the official numbers. I really just think that this is just a guesstimate, but like 85 to 90% of my sales come from regulars. That's crazy, you know, 
so that's why I call those weekend people tourists. But every interaction is really wonderful because we know everyone's name, we know their drinks, we make it sometimes before they even step into the shop and they're like, whoa, like amazing customer service. This is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, because we care about you and we want you to be on your way, you know? I mean, of course, hang out with us, but if you're busy, which many people are, they're grabbing a, their favorite latte before they're on their way to work, you know? And so we want to make sure that like they're cared for in that way. And so also, you know, like we know all their kids' names, like you were saying with your smaller tenants, you know, we know all their dogs' names. It's just truly so special. The coffee and the caffeine, that burns off in a couple hours, but the experience you get lasts the entire day. Absolutely. I would hope that starting their day here starts kind of like their chapter one of their day, right? That is the story, right? You're having a really warm conversation within my walls, and that's chapter one of Thursday, August 16th, or whatever. You know? I mean, we are the Cheers of Coffee. Someone calls me. I didn't watch Cheers, but who was the main character again? Ah, oh, shoot. It was Ted Danson. Yeah, but you know, they, they yeah. call me that that person. Uh, you know, even in Yelp Sam? reviews. I don't know. I who don't cares? Know. Who but cares? <laughs> <laughs> Besides the point. But I'm just saying, you know, we, we listen to people's problems because we care. You know, we know, we actually, like, I just reached out to someone on Instagram. I just found out his, his Instagram name. And I was like, oh my gosh, where have you been? We miss you. And like, we're just genuinely concerned. And he was like, oh, Annie, I'm like saving money. <laughs> I'm making coffee at home. I was like, oh, okay, great. We're just, we were worried. Because we used to see you every day for your iced mocha. And that's okay. Like, I want you to save money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's just, we're... We are the bartender of the morning. We listen to people's problems. We listen to their days. And it's really nice. It's nice to be invested in the community. And they ask us about our trips. You know, like when Arvin was gone, he went, he took a vacation recently. So many people. I heard it like all day the first day he was back. Hey, how was Winnipeg? Hey, did you have a great time? You know, you know, it was, this is what it is. And I'm so grateful. So as we wrap up this conversation, when you think about the next year, the next five years and beyond, what are your plans with Found? And you have some other projects that you're working on. Yeah, so I just about. shared with James at the beginning before the recording. Personally, I've been kind of writing a book for 10 years. And I finally took the plunge and I hired a wonderful writing consultant, Zoe Ruiz. And we've been working monthly. I'm hopeful that I would have a draft, actual draft by like, middle of next year. I was very hopeful at the beginning of this year and said at the end of this year and life is crazy. So no. (laughs) So we'll aim for next year and that's okay. And then for found. So it's kind of weird to say it out loud on quote a public forum, but I do have plans, tentative plans to expand to a second location and I won't announce where I'm looking at just yet. I want to renew my lease here in Eagle Rock for the next 10 years, honestly, because I'm about to come up to lease renegotiations and it was, it would be just too special to lose this community in this location. And I owe it to them, to all of you to stay another decade, at least at the very least. I was a regular for years. I'd come in one or two times a week, maybe. 
I was my treat on th- Thursdays or Fridays. I, yes, I will remember. Yeah. And I even remembered your drink today. Yeah, I know. We changed it. <laughs> I changed it a little bit. So my office moved from Eagle Rock to Pasadena mm-hmm. in April 2020. I have two kids that have health issues. Yes. So we went into lockdown. So right. that's why I've been gone for years and years. I mean, you have such an important place in Eagle Rock mm. and played such an important role in Eagle Rock that I hope that you get that extension for 10 years. I hope so too. Yes, fingers crossed. You know, I have a conversation hopefully coming up soon. And then I've announced it on Instagram that I have renovations. I already have the plans drawn up, but I just got to make sure that conversation goes well. This next question is my standard fun question to end the conversation. Yeah. You recently moved to South Pasadena. Yes, I did. If you could design a perfect day from anywhere between Eagle Rock and South Pasadena. Oh <laughs> From breakfast to late night, what would you do, where would you go, and what would you eat and drink? Okay, so I might ad lib and add one more place, but this was... And time is not an issue. Time is not an issue. issue. Okay, and this is mainly Eagle Rock because that's what James first presented it to me. I start off the day with a black coffee or a perfectly made cortado at this coffee shop that I know called Found Coffee. (laughs) I've heard of it. Have you heard of it? Yes. Okay, cool. I catch up with all my regulars, all my little foundlings, all the found furry friends. Then I would head over to Lucky Boy in Pasadena for their... Ooh, I love their breakfast burrito so much. Okay, also, if I'm not full, then this was my original answer, that I would go over to Armin's on Eagle Rock Boulevard and order a corned beef hash and pile it with their special habanero salsa that my friend and regular Pat knows what I'm talking about. It is so good. It's almost a crack. It's so good. Um... And then, I guess you're saying South Pass and Pasadena then, right? We expanded it. We expanded it. Okay, then I'd refuel at my friend's Highlight Coffee in Altadena, because usually I'll go there to get some work done without running into regulars, and then I end up running into regulars. And then I've really gotten to be very comfortable at... Western Station Beer and Wine on the other side of Eagle Rock. They're on Colorado. They used to be called Colorado Wine. And I ha- I would have a half pour of a chilled red wine while doing some work as well. Clearly, I'm working a lot, which is, I don't know, I guess it's just what I do. And then I, even though time is not a issue, I sleep very early and I wake up very early. So I would have an early dinner and end the day at Hodori in the Vons Plaza in Eagle Rock and have... Um, my favorite Korean rice cake dumpling soup to end the day. And then I would go sleep because I would sleep at 8 p.m. <laughs> and no judgment. I am like a senior citizen. You said no judgment here. <laughs> so you're not behind the counter at 530. Do you still wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning? So my mom and I talk on the phone at 530 in the morning every day. So I'm up at 5 wow. every day, naturally. Even when I'm traveling around the world... I'm up at 5 a.m. every day. It doesn't matter the time zone. So you were recently in Korea and Japan. Yes. So you're awake at... You're awake at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. It's crazy. I don't know what it is. Actually, I do know what it is. I do take it after my mother. She ridiculously sleeps at 6 p.m. every day and is up at 3 a.m. every day. And she does it because she really enjoys... Kind of wrapping it up, it's full circle. She enjoys having her cup of coffee in the morning by herself in the silence 
and those first few hours of the day are just so precious to her and then I've kind of adopted the same thing I'm the most productive 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day so that's when I really just cherish my morning time by myself Annie thank you for building such a wonderful community here in Eagle Rock for bringing such warmth and light to our lives with every cup and for coming on the podcast I greatly appreciate it thank you so much for having me and we look forward to having you be a part of Fountain Coffee community again (laughs) thanks James my many thanks to Annie for coming on the show according to a 2019 survey Almost 20% of independent coffee shops close within the first 12 months, and around 60% fail within the first five years of opening. Having just celebrated eight years, Found has been successful because Annie has created a community. Of course, it is a place to grab a cup of coffee and go, but she's also built a shop to soak up the sunshine and recharge. It is a shop supported by regulars who come for both the espresso and Annie's laughter. A couple weeks ago, I was in a parking lot and a car started honking at me. It was Annie. She had just visited Mandarin, a coffee shop on South Lake Avenue because she is a coffee enthusiast through and through and supports other shops even in her free time. As we said goodbye following our recording, Annie left me with my iced mocha, but also a hug. That is found coffee a place that you can find a latte with a double shot of love. For more information, please visit foundcoffeela.com and follow Annie on social media for the latest news and information about the shop. Found Coffee is located at 1355 Colorado Boulevard in Eagle Rock and opens seven days a week from early mornings to 3 p.m. Continuing our collaboration, the featured song is All Right Here by the Pasadena-based wife and husband duo, The Next Doors. Please follow them on social media and at nextdoorsmusic.com for their next live shows. There are so many people that help keep this show going. I wanted to thank my Patreon sponsors. I really appreciate your continued support. Second, to my wife for being so patient and understanding, even if she will never hear this. And to all that listen, thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show or supporting it through direct underwriting or Patreon. This is the only podcast that has never been supported by a mattress company, Athletic Greens, some online athletic leisure clothing shop, or a meal kit. One of my focuses for the fall and heading into 2024 is to experiment with Substack. You can find the link on my website, thecrowncitypodcast.com. I love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at thecrowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram. Until next time, please remember to stay well, sit and enjoy your coffee, and as always, see you around town. Do you like podcasts? No. No. Okay, Dad? Cuts. Why don't you... <laughs> why They're don't... weird. Okay, well, let's start over. Start over. Okay. Do you like podcasts? No.
Why don't you like podcasts? Because they are boring.